All right, good morning, community. How's everybody doing? Yeah? This warm weather is kind of good. I don't know, it's got me in kind of a good mood. Isn't that, man, this has been awesome. I mean, like 60 degrees in Chicago. What's up with that? That is just great stuff yesterday. Um, and I don't, know, I don't know how many of you got a chance to be out at Soldier Field yesterday for advanced commitment. Uh, if you were there, what a great, I mean, just a great, great, great night. Um, if you didn't get a chance to be there, you had other things going on, uh, we'll be giving you some highlights for the next couple of weeks uh, from that experience. Just a ter- terrific experience. There was one person that was there last night who's brand new, and they just made this comment. They said, you know, I don't know what it is, but when I'm at community, I, I feel like I'm a part of a mission. And I was like, well, you are. It's called helping people find their way back to God. That's what you're feeling, right? And, uh, and absolutely, that's exactly right. Well, uh, here's, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm going to go today, and I think this is going to be a really important kind of next 30 minutes for, for all of us as a, as a whole group of people. But it's this. As someone who has the opportunity to both teach and also to write, I know there are certain words. There are certain words in the English language that just kind of have more power. There's just more emotion. There's more significance kind of packed in to these words. And there's certain words like, um, for example, the word confidential. If I stamp, okay, confidential on the front of an envelope, I mean, it just kind of sparks something inside you, right? I mean, you kind of want to open it. You want to kind of find out what's inside. But at the same time, there's also a little bit of a fear, like, okay, what's going on? Did I do something? <laughs> right? There's other words, too. Um, word like intimacy. Whenever I teach on or talk about intimacy, you can feel almost everybody in the room kind of both drawn to it. It's like something. I mean, they want to they be known and they want to know. At the same time, they're also afraid of being found out. Another word that's kind of like this is the word eternity. Eternity is this weird word, especially with this group, where, I mean, everybody wants, we all want eternal life. We want to know for sure we have eternal life, so we're drawn to it, but at the same time, when we start to think about eternity and think about heaven, it's almost like it makes our head explode and we kind of back off from it. Every one of those words kind of evokes something in us us, where it's powerful, we're like drawn to it, we're attracted to it, but at the same time, we're also a little bit intimidated, kind of afraid of it. And there is no word more like that in the English language than the word we're going to discuss today. When we see this word, when we hear this word, we are, we're like, it's like a magnet, we're drawn to it, and we are inspired by it. But when we think about doing it, it is so intimidating. And we're almost even afraid to think about it. Uh, This week... um, my son Caleb came home from high school. He has a, a film studies class. What's up with that? A film studies class. Sounds like they went to the movies, right? So he had a film studies class. And we started having a, we had a fun conversation at dinner. And uh, we were talking about all-time favorite movies. All-time favorite movies. And a few things came up. One, of them, one that came up was Star Wars, right? And in Star Wars, there's, there's the classic, classic scene, right? One of the most memorable scenes in movie making where Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of you know, drops his saber and he gives up his life, right, to Darth Vader for the sake of Luke and others. And that moment is all about this word that we're going to talk about today. Another one that came up, and actually this, this is uh, one of my son's recent favorites, and it came up in his class as one of the great movies of all time, uh, Shawshank Redemption. All right? And of course, in Shawshank, if you've seen that movie, Andy Dufresne plays this character where he risked his own life for all the others that are in prison. And it's a great example of this word. 
That one, one of my favorite movies ever is uh, Schindler's List. And it goes back a little ways. But I mean, Schindler's List, where you have this guy, Oscar Schindler, based on a true story, risks his own life to save 1,200 Jewish workers during World War II. And, and, and in this scene here, where I could have done so much more, it perfectly illustrates this word. And what happens is when we see movies like this, we, we, leave, we leave the theater, or, or if we're watching it all, we, we leave inspired. There's something that we want to be like that. But we're also kind of afraid and wonder, do I really have that in me? And the word, the word that we're talking about this morning is the word sacrifice. Sacrifice is one of those words where we admire it when we see it. We even get a little bit of an adrenaline rush when we see other people kind of willing to risk it all. But personally, it's kind of intimidating. Personally, we're kind of afraid of it. And, of course, these stories of sacrifice and people who live sacrificially, I mean, they move us. I mean, they're so, so, so powerful. Um, how many of you got a chance to see uh, Disney Pixar's movie Inside Out? How many of you have seen that Inside Out? Okay. Uh, most, lot, most of the crowd. I'll tell you what, if you haven't, it is. It, it's a creative masterpiece. I would, I, would, I, I, would, I would encourage everyone to see this movie. And what it does in this movie, Inside Out, the movie personifies emotions. It actually personifies emotions. And, and you have these different emotions. Remember, like, joy and anger and sadness and each of these characters, what they do is one of the, represent one of these emotions, and the movie paints a picture of how these emotions kind of live out inside every one of us. Well, the story actually centers around an uh, adolescent girl, Riley. And Riley, uh, they show how joy and anger and sadness work inside Riley. Now, she's going through adolescence, and she just recently moved. And so in that move, she had to change schools. She had to change friends. She had to change hockey teams, all these different things. And all of a sudden, there's these challenging turn of events, and Riley's emotions, these emotion, the motion joy here, which you'll see joy here. Let's go to the next one. Joy, all of a sudden, um, finds herself in quite a dilemma. So Joy and this imaginary friend, imaginary friend of Riley's, Bing Bong, <laughs> are you still with me? <laughs> okay. They fall into this deep valley where memories cease to exist, and they have to. They have to find a way out. Because if they don't find a way out, they face extinction. Here's what's at stake. What's at stake is if they don't find a way out of this valley, 11-year-old Riley is going to have to live the rest of her life without the feeling of joy. And here's a bing bong and joy. One more time. I got a feeling about this one. Bing bong, bing bong, 
Take her to the moon for me, okay? I mean, you, you sit there and you watch an animation, right? And you, I mean, you almost have to keep telling yourself, it's just a cartoon, it's just a cartoon, it's just a cartoon, right? <laughs> but there you have, I mean, Bing Bong <laughs> sacrifices everything so joy can live on. And come on, I mean, even though it's just an animation, it's just a cartoon. I mean, isn't there something always, 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 always inspiring about, yes, <laughs> about someone willing to make a sacrifice? I'm telling you, I think it's something that God just put inside of us. It's like it turns something on inside of us every time. So here's what I want every one of us to do in this room. I want you to take a look at a story of sacrifice, a story that actually inspired Jesus. And I, 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 would, I would just ask that you open up your heads and open your hearts and let it sink in. And today what I want you to do is I want you to personally, every one of us in this room, decide how you're going to respond to the challenge of sacrifice. Will you walk out of this place, will you continue to be intimidated by it and say, you know what, that's not for me, I could never do that. Or instead, will you let it inspire you Will you let it challenge you? And will you say, you know what? I want to live exactly like that. Today we're continuing our series. We're calling it One. And uh, the challenge is for every one of us to declare that God's number one. And we're, we're asking that, that every, and we want to see every person here, 100% of the people that call community their home say God's number one. And if we're all one on this mission and God works in us, we know that he can work through us to do whatever it is that he wants us to do. And it's all kind of focused towards next week, which is Commitment Sunday on February 28th. But here, here's the story. Here's the story I, I, I want us to take a look at that inspired Jesus. It's found in Mark chapter 14. If you have a Bible, you can look at it. If you have a, uh, your phone with you, you can kind of download the U version. I'm just going to read it right off the screen here. And here's, here's what it says in Mark chapter 14, second book in the New Testament. And let's uh, go ahead and bring that up right now. If Jesus is speaking, and he says this, while Jesus was in Bethany, it's actually describing this, the story. It says, while Jesus was in Bethany, he reclined at the table home in home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar, and she poured the perfume on his head, on Jesus' head. Now, some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? I mean, it could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And so they began to rebuke her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? What she has done is a, what's it say right there? What's it say? A what? A beautiful thing. I want you to hang on to that because that's, that's interesting. What she has done is a beautiful thing. The poor, you're going to always have with you. You can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured out perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. This last part, we'll come back to it in a little bit. It's so fascinating. Truly, this is Jesus speaking about this woman. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Jesus sees this unfold, okay, just like any story of sacrifice, and he is so inspired by it. It's the Imago Dei, the God in him. The Imago Dei is inspired by this, and he looks at her and goes, okay, what she has done, this is a beautiful thing. What made this sacrifice such a beautiful thing? 
Well, first of all, let me give you a few thoughts on this. I think what we see here is a beautiful commitment. I mean, this woman is all in. She is holding nothing back when it comes to Jesus. There is a remarkable totality to this woman's sacrifice. If we dig a little deeper in the story, what we find out, this alabaster jar that's, that's filled with expensive perfume, if we look at how expensive it was, I mean, first, notice what it says here. It says, it says that it could have been sold for more than a year's wages. Okay, do me a favor right now. Think about how much you make this year. Think about how much you made this year. Okay, got it? Get the number. And now I want you to go ahead and add 25%. Add 25%. You got that number? Okay, that's about, okay, that could be about what that perfume was worth right there. So it had a, a real financial value. On top of it, it probably also had a personal value. There's a good chance it was actually a family heirloom that had been passed down from generation to generation to generation. And then thirdly, not only that, I did a little homework on this too, and there's a good chance that this, the jar itself was made of kind of a semi-prescient translucent material, and it was actually a very valuable treasure, the jar itself. And what did she do with the jar? She broke it. It's so fascinating to me in, her, in, her, her, in this commitment that she has. She doesn't just like pour out a little bit, does she? Like, oh, here's a little for you, and I'll just keep the rest. I mean, she's like all in. She breaks the jar and then pours it all over him. It's this demonstration of a beautiful commitment. And Jesus looks at this and experiences it. He says, this is a beautiful thing right here. A couple of months ago, I ran across a story in the news, and maybe you saw this too. And uh, it was right after the terrorist attacks in, in Paris. Right after that, a mosque in a small suburb outside of Austin, Texas, was, was vandalized. There was a little guy who lived in the same little suburb outside of Austin, Texas, named Jack Swanson. And uh, Jack kept bothering his mom, and he wanted to do something about it. And so him and his mom had heard about this hate crime, and so they gathered together his piggy bank, Little Jack, seven-year-old kid does this. He gathers together his piggy bank. He had about 20 bucks in his piggy bank. And he donated all of it <laughs> toward the repair of that mosque. And who knows, maybe he broke, his, broke the piggy bank. <laughs> but one of the leaders, okay, and they're not Muslim, this, this couple, but one of the Muslim leaders actually made the comment, said, you know, Jack's $20 is worth more than $20 million to us. I mean, that was a beautiful thing. Because of the totality of the sacrifice. Not, not, not only was, was there a beautiful commitment, but there's also what we see in this story is a beautiful love. I mean, what, is, what, what was the motivation for this woman doing this for Jesus? Love, right? And we do, we do crazy things for love. And truthfully, if there's one theme that's more dominant in movies than sacrifice, it's probably the, the theme of love, right? Theme of love. For example, I mean, you have, uh, if we go back a little ways, you have... Richard Gere, I think we got a picture here. We got Richard Gere, right? Climbing the fire escape to declare his love. What movie was this? Very good. And you have Adam Sandler, of course, singing his love in Wedding Singer. You guys are very knowledgeable. You could pass a film studies class. Um, you, have John, you have John Cusack, who holds this ridiculously large boombox. What movie is this? Say anything, exactly right. We do crazy things for love. Um, Sue and I, my wife and I, when, uh, when we were dating, we, had, we, had, we did have, I mean, we had kind of a back and forth romance when we were dating. <laughs> and uh, um, we had broken up and got together and broken up. And I was just a dork. Um, 
And I finally came to my senses, and we did. We had one of those kind of, uh, one of those kind of scenes. It actually was in a jewel grocery store where I came back groveling. Um, and I don't want to even tell the story because it's too embarrassing. Um, but here's, but just know this. When it comes to love, right? When it comes to love, and, and some of you all who are laughing, you've been there, all right? We sacrifice dignity for love, right? We sacrifice pride. We sacrifice all sense of decorum. Why? For love. Love always calls for a grand gesture. If it's really love, right? If it's really love, it calls for a grand gesture. And there was no gesture grander. There was no sacrifice greater than the one Jesus made for us. In Ephesians, uh, the Apostle Paul, he writes these words in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. And he says this. He says, hey, you follow God's example. Therefore, dearly loved children, and you walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us. And here, he makes the, out of that, he makes the sacrifice. He gives himself up for us. It's interesting. Paul uses this term, too. A fragrant offering. It's almost like hinting back to our story, isn't it? A fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. The sacrifice of this woman, okay? It is. It was a beautiful commitment. It's a beautiful love. But I want you to know something else. It also, there was also a beautiful legacy here. She left a beautiful legacy. This unnamed woman, I don't think in that moment... She's just acting out of a totality of commitment, out of a totality, just totally in love. She had no idea how far, far, far reaching impact her sacrifice would spread when she broke that perfume jar. She had no idea when she, in that moment of, of commitment and love, she had no idea that Jesus would respond like, wow, this is a beautiful thing. She had no idea in that moment that the Apostle, Paul, the Apostle Mark is actually sitting there taking notes on the whole thing. And then when he writes a gospel, the second gospel, her story is going to get included in the Bible. That's kind of a big deal, huh? She had no idea that here we are, 2,000 plus years later, we're still telling her story. But in that moment, Jesus knew it. And that's what he said in Mark 14, 9. He said this, he said, look, wherever the gospel, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Through her sacrifice... She left a beautiful legacy. L- let me tell you something. If you want to leave a legacy, and, th- and I feel this, the-, the-, the longer I get a chance to live, I am, I am so less interested in longevity. And I am much more interested in legacy. Not just how, do long, how can I make sure my life is fulfilling, how long can I live, but how can I do something that lives on beyond me? And if you're interested in legacy, the way to legacy is traveling down the road of generosity. Hear me on that. The way to legacy is traveling down the road to generosity. It's the only way to get there. And without generosity, without generosity, it all, it all comes to a screeching halt with you. <laughs> That's like a big old dead end. And what you need to know something, this church here, Community Christian Church, has been built, okay, and has grown because of people in the past who live lives of sacrifice and generosity. I, I remember the very first, uh, very first person who made a financial contribution to community. Um, it was the very first time I think I spoke pub- publicly about wanting to start a church. It was actually just right over in Bolingbrook at a little church over there. And uh, after I got on speaking, a little 10-year-old boy, his name was Matt Blouser. Matt Blouser came up he had, I guess he'd gotten his allowance. He had a $1 bill. He found me after church, reached in his pocket, and handed me a crumpled $1 bill. 
our church was just a dream in the mind of a few friends. And, you know, here 25 years later, we've got a dozen locations, and we've helped start hundreds of churches, and thousands of people find their way back to God. I would love to know, love to know what that dollar invest is worth in kingdom currency today. And whatever it is, that, I mean, that's a beautiful legacy. But I'm thinking about other things. And I want you to think about this. When you think about sacrifice, I'm thinking about, um, and this person doesn't even know I'm going to say her name. I'm thinking about Mary Stewart. Some of you know Mary Stewart. Mary Stewart has actually worked in our nursery here at the Yellow Box for 25 years. That was probably an applause line, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, seriously, 25 years. I mean, think about all the babies over the last two and a half decades that she's held. Uh, all three of my kids, I mean, she, she held and took care of my kids. Imagine all the first-time moms that show up here, and then she takes their little precious baby, okay, and she makes that mom, okay, feel secure and feel comfortable. I mean, she has left now behind a beautiful legacy in, in probably thousands of families. And over the years, I mean, there have been groups and other people that have made sacrifices to make this, your experience, to find your way back to God possible. It didn't just all start like this week. The very first church that decided to support us when we were going to launch this church, I don't know if you knew this or not, the very first church was actually a, a, a little church in Dayton, Ohio. They were about four years old. They had 150 people, and they were meeting in a middle school. And I remember soon I went there, and we talked about this church when to start in Chicago and to help people find their way back to God. And God blessed those people because, you know what, they said, you know what, hey, before we ever get a building, before we ever hire a youth pastor, before we ever do anything for us, you know what, we want to get behind this, this young church planner, and we're going we're gonna to give money. They end up being our largest financial supporters. Okay, let me kind of go from preaching to meddling just a little bit, can I? Um, I love what we're doing with this one initiative. And I have, nobody ever says it to me, they kind of say it through people. Sometimes people are like, well, you know, it doesn't seem like we're getting a lot for the yellow box this time. You know what I'm saying? Hello? Okay, just checking. I'm talking to you. Just so you know, I mean, there's lots of people that gave that didn't impact them, so we get to experience what we experience. And fundamentally, what it means to be a follower of Jesus is that it's never about me, right? It's never about, that's what it means to be a Christ follower. It's always about somebody else and about others. And I'm just trusting God to take care of me. Along the way here, I mean, over the years, I mean, there have been people at community who have made tremendous, I mean, even radical sacrifices long before us. I remember, I remember one couple who cashed in their whole 401k, and there was, there was a part of me, I wanted to go like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. I didn't mean that kind of sacrifice, right? But all of a sudden, I felt like one of the people, one of the people in, you know, in Jesus' story who were going like, oh, no, you, should, you shouldn't do that. And I think Jesus was probably looking at that person going like, no, that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. And, there, and there's some folks around here, too, I mean, where, um, I mean, for the last, I mean, you've, you've given them for a long time. 10 years, 15 years, 25 years, and you know who you are. And you have. You broke the bottle. <laughs> and then you broke the bottle again. <laughs> and you broke the bottle again, right, so to speak. And my experience has been, too, that every time I do that, it's like God gives me a bigger bottle and goes, hey, let's do it again. But here's the thing I want you to get. If you want to leave a legacy, okay, the way to leave a legacy, it's traveling down the road of generosity. 
It's the only way you get there. And the story of this woman, the bottle of perfume, this is not just a story that happened, but it continues to happen. Uh, I want to share, you, share with you uh, one last story of sacrifice, and I think it's a powerful story from right here in our church. It's a story of a community attender named Morgan Berry and, uh, and her decision to do something beautiful. Here you go. Hi, my name is Morgan Berry, and I've been coming to Community East Aurora for four years. I found community through my parents. My mom and my stepdad um, were looking for a bilingual campus, and they started going to East Aurora and invited me. The music was awesome. It's very relevant and new, something that was different than churches I'd been to before. The All In uh, series was when I pretty much made the choice that, okay, I needed to be exactly that, like all in for this church, not only through volunteering, but also through my finances. And I started tithing. It was very challenging to make that commitment because I was so concerned, you know, not having a full-time job that um, I wouldn't be able to do it, but I just kind of buckled down and tried to make it happen. Shortly after I started giving my monthly commitment, um, I got a better job. It was a full-time job, and it was almost double what I was making at my previous job. It was like totally a God thing. So I continued giving, and then shortly after that, about a year after that, I got another job, another full-time job that was making almost double what I was making at my, at my previous. Now, at this point, I don't really see it as like um, an obligation. It's more like, you know, what I what I want to do. I want to give back because I've seen what it, how it can change, you know, my life. I was looking actually to buy a house in East Aurora. The summer of 2015, we found a place. I put down some money, and we were just waiting for a response from the bank to, for them to approve the loan. I got a call basically saying that I, that I hadn't gotten approved. I got my money back like the middle of September, which was right before Celebration Generosity. And to me, that was kind of a sign <laughs> that, um, this money should go towards Celebration Generosity. I mean, giving it away felt really good because I know where it's going. I know where, you know, who it's going to help. I've had such an opportunity to, to see firsthand how this changes lives. 2014, I had the opportunity to go to Haiti um, and see how our partnership with Compassion, like what it's doing there and how it's, you know, such a blessing to these kids. I also got involved with uh, Community 412 the middle of 2015 um, and got to see you know, how these relationships grow and how, how much these kids love it. I felt like it was the right thing to do. I felt like this was the year that I wanted to give my biggest offering. I mean, I'm very excited about the One Initiative. I think this is um, going to be a blessing. The thing that I love about this church is that the, the mission statement this helping people find their way back to God, it's not just that. You can see through the structure and through um, the different programs that we have how we really care about people and how we really do our desire is to help them find their way back to God. For a little while now, I've gotten um, comfortable in my giving, and I think that with the One Initiative, it's going to challenge me to give more. It's very easy to say, oh, I'll just give, you know, my normal whatever amount it is. But I think, you know, the One Initiative is going to be something that's going to transform community as a whole and prayer and you know really listening to what God wants me to do is is going to be key. He has a plan. My responsibility is to use what I have and give what I have to his mission and then he will do the rest. God is number one and we are one on this mission.
I just want to challenge you, and I want you to kind of sit with this question today and over the next week or so, and just think about this. How are you going to respond to this word, to the stories? How are you going to respond to the challenge of sacrifice? Personally. Will you continue to kind of just be, you know, intimidated by it? Shrink away from it and say, oh, that's, that's, not, that's not for me. I could never do that. Or will you, by God's grace and with God's spirit working inside you, will you let it, just open yourself, will you let it inspire you? Let it just challenge you and say, you know what? No, I, I want to be one of those people that lives like that. Will you do that? I think that's I think that's the challenge that's in front of us. If um, if you have kids in our kids city or you have a student in our student community, you know that uh, this, this week that our our kids are making their commitment to the one initiative. And I love the fact that we're doing this as one church and at all locations and all ages. And and next week um, you'll get a chance to do this. And here's what it is. It's really an invitation for you to do a beautiful thing. For Jesus to respond and go like, oh, that is a beautiful, that's a beautiful thing. Um, as you prepare for next week, let me, let me give you some kind of some jar-breaking, we'll call them jar-breaking questions. What would it look like for you to be all in? I mean, a, a, totality of your commitment, holding nothing back from Jesus. What would it look like for you, in the same way like the story we just heard, what would it look like for you to break the jar? And maybe maybe some of you, it, you've never done it and, it, and it requires it love. Love requires this grand gesture. What would it look like for you to make a grand gesture of love to God? What would you, think about this, what would you need to do that would cause Jesus to respond with like, oh man, that's, that, that is a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. And I'll tell you what, when every one of us, and if every one of us would do that, then we could kind of become the kind of church we've been talking about during this series in Acts 4.32. And, and it says this, it says the whole congregation of believers were united as one. They had one heart, one mind. Why? Because they had the one heart and one mind of Jesus. They didn't claim ownership of their own possessions. Nobody said, that's mine, you can't have it. No. As God directed them, they shared everything. And that is the kind of church, so hear me on this, okay? That's the kind of church where God takes ordinary people and he does extraordinary things. And I think God wants to take ordinary me, ordinary you, ordinary us, and continue to do extraordinary things. Let's all pray together. Father God, I ask that, uh, that today this story of the woman and, and, uh, who broke this alabaster jar of perfume as a sacrifice to Jesus, let it not just be another in a series of stories that we hear that inspires us, that motivates us, that gives us kind of this adrenaline rush. But Lord, I ask that today this be a call to action. 
that we see ourselves in that story. That we aren't afraid of it, we aren't intimidated of it, but we're going like, no, I want to live a life just like that. And this is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.